This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. This podcast has been brought to you by Black Women for Wellness. Black Women for Wellness is committed to the health and well-being of black women and girls through health education, empowerment, and advocacy. Located in the heart of Lamert Park Village, you can locate Black Women for Wellness online at www.bwwla.org, like our Black Women for Wellness Facebook page, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at BW4WLA and on Instagram at BWWLA. Hello, everyone. This is Raina Granberry. I am the Maternal and Infant Health Program Manager here at BWW. And I don't know if you all know this, but May is Mental Health Month. So luckily for us, we have someone here that knows a little bit about it. So we have Warrior Guru Durango, and she's here to um, just let us know a little bit about mental health. Um, And, you know, she's our neuroscience person. So before we even get into that, what made you pick neuroscience? Um, What made me pick neuroscience as a major was in high school, I was always interested in psychology. And psychology is more of like why we think what we think, but I wanted to learn like how we think what we think. Um, So like what um, things in our brain work together and how that affects like the way the rest of our body works. That's awesome. And I just said our neuroscience person, but you're actually getting ready to graduate (laughs) from UCLA. So that is amazing. So yeah, let's just talk a little bit about mental health. And it's weird because a lot of what I knew before getting into this work about mental health was like people are bipolar, you know, schizophrenic. And there's like this big, we use a stigma. We say that a lot, Mm -hmm. but beyond stigma, it's just like we're calling people crazy, and no one's comfortable with being crazy. Mm-hmm. So if you can just explain to us what mental health really means. Okay, so our mental health is our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It determines how we think and act, and what it means to be in good mental health. It doesn't mean we're not experiencing mental illness. Um, it just It's characterized by a person's ability um, to fulfill a number of key functions, their ability to learn, to feel, express, and manage their emotions, and form and maintain healthy relationships and deal with change. Okay, so I guess that's why when we see like a lot of drama and trauma and just everything that's going on in our world today, which I guess was always going there, we just have this heightened sense now about like what needs to be done to sort of make people feel better and uh, to help people's emotions and just like their their mental health so why do you think it matters that we're paying this attention or even talking about mental health well taking care of our mind is just as important as taking care of our body and can also affect the way our body functions um if we're not taking care of our mental health that can lead to high blood pressure due to like increased levels of stress but it also plays a role in like all aspects of our life like our productivity at work our relationships with friends um our learning at school so yeah It's interesting you say that, too, because I heard you mention really quickly in the midst of all the other things that can happen is like about our physical health Mm -hmm. and the stress that's related when you don't take care of your mental health. And the fact that, you know, there's this statistic out there that black women suffer at 67 percent. We have some type of chronic, um, excuse me, not chronic, but like, um, you know, disease, some type of chronic disease or some type of, um, you know, even in some cases, life-threatening disease. So I guess we it does and should start with us taking care of yes. our mental health. So um, we're black women. This is Black Women for Wellness. Yes. 
So if we could talk specifically about black women's mental health, um, just how do we experience it? Why, why do we experience it? And I guess you'll get more into that later. But yeah, what I think we can all guess, but just, you know, with your background and you sort of delving deep in it, just make it plain for us. Mm-hmm. Well, anxiety disorders are the most common types of mental health disorders in the United States. Um, and data shows that black women are more likely to experience chronic anxiety than their white counterparts. Also, black women are, um, are one in five black women develop depression during their lifetime. Um, and black women also report more feelings of sadness, um, but they're less likely to seek like psychological help. Mm. Okay, so... What do you think, I mean, of course, there's the obvious, we deal with racism and different things like that, but to break it down, what are some contributors to us having these heightened mental health issues? Why why do they exist for us? I think it really comes down to stress. Like, we experience more stress um, due to multiple factors, our family, employment, finances, obviously racism and discrimination in all those fields, um, and then safety concerns, um, just about ourselves and our well-being it's all something that plays into it Definitely. and with all it is crazy like when we start to list all those things you got this long list you're like yeah racism sexism just all types of discrimination on top of just you know what we deal with in the homes and just all this burden and somehow we still walk around with this cape on and not only do we walk around with this cape on we refuse to take it off I was just talking to um, one of my counterparts. I ain't going to call her name, but I hope she's <laughs> listening to this. And we were, you know, it appeared, we can see she supports everyone. She does a lot of work. She's been involved in, like, maternal health for two decades, maybe th- almost three decades at this point. And, you know, we were just sort of asking, like, how can we support you? You're always supporting other people. And she could mm-hmm. not answer us. Isn't that amazing? I'm like, a person who supports everybody (laughs) day in, day out, is clearly under a lot of pressure, did not have anything to say about how she could be supported. I'm like, wow, we may be taking the Superwoman thing too far. Yes, definitely. That sounds like, I think, what a lot of black women experience um, and is like the epitome of the strong black women stereotype, um, which is that we're expected to manage and be responsible for multiple roles in our home, our workplace, and community, and really neglect ourselves. We definitely got to do more about that because it's literally killing us and it's crazy. And I know we were talking um, a little bit earlier. Um, you mentioned some other like examples just about like depictions and how we come about mm-hmm. what enforces this narrative. Yes. Um, so I feel like the origins of this depiction can go back to slavery, um, especially us being characterized as strong was a justification for our harsh treatment. Um, and that the fact that we can do all this work, take care of other people's kids, um, et cetera, and that has transcended till today. <sighs> Slightly triggering Definitely. because I'm currently doing some research about um, wet nurses and mm-hmm. the history of wet nurses. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just great. Like when you start talking about like the depictions of the narrative, like we can handle all this. It makes folks put even more on us. So it's interesting because one of the things I was a part of that research was that when, you know, a black woman was feeding, you know, both babies and getting all this milk and sort of finding ways to produce more milk because she had to give so much to her 
to this white child, they would essentially promote her to be a wet nurse for more people. Mm-hmm. Taking like so, she literally just becomes this like consistently nursing machine, and you know it's just oh, I have to add that in there because yeah, as soon as you said that, I'm like that narrative really does push us further into yes. it, even when we may want to pull back. Definitely. So obviously all of that just really affects black women psychologically and just, I mean, it's insane, right? Uh-huh. So what are like the specific things that we do? Like how does it typically play out? How do we see it? Uh-huh. I think it depends on how the that woman like internalizes a stereotype. Um, so for some people that may lead to like them suppressing their emotions or feelings and thinking that their feelings of sadness or tiredness are signs of weakness when they're really not. They're just mm-hmm. emotions that everyone experiences. Um, it could also lead to increased stress if you're pushing yourself to like live up to the stereotype and be as productive as possible and handle all these roles and expectations. Um, and that can yeah lead to just like a lot of stress on yourself, which is the main indicator of a lot of um, mental health issues and psychological distress. So I actually, and I know we sort of talked a little bit before we're going to talk now, but I just throw this at you and take your best stab at it because it made me think about it. Um, What about those more severe cases? And I don't even really want to call them severe cases because that, you know, we just all experience and like all of our mental health and emotional health issues look different. Mm-hmm. What about the cases for people who are dealing with some more stronger instances, like think, things like bipolar or, you know, schizophrenia or those things that are much stronger? How do you think that plays out for, a, especially for a black woman? Because mm-hmm. we just talked about all of this, plus stress, plus having something that's quite serious. Mm-hmm. I think that could lead to, like, barriers in access to care because, like, it's not only us that are internalizing that stereotype, it's the rest of society. Um, So, like, when you're trying to seek help, people might not see you as, like, oh, this person might have an actual mental illness. Mm. It's just, like, they're dealing with something, they're strong enough to go through this on their own, and it's not that serious. So I feel like that becomes a real barrier to diagnosing mental illness and treating mental illness. I was going to ask about diagnosis because, I mean, I have even people, you know, close friends who are even just afraid to go and see. You know, they feel certain ways. They know they're having certain issues. Maybe there's other mental illness in their families. And because of, like, that stigma and maybe not even getting the right help or, you know, they they sort of decide that they won't even go mm-hmm. and get the help that they need. So um, what do you think um, about folks and their weariness to go and get help that may be beyond just like therapy or things like that what do you think about us because i know as soon as you start talking about medication black people go wild mm-hmm. especially like older black folks like we're not about to be medicated we're not about to be zombies um what does sort of your line of education and the things that you know tell you about that and um how do you think that plays out with black women as well um i think that it it's better for us or it might be easier for us to seek therapy as a treatment rather than medication as a treatment. Um, especially a lot of medication could have side effects um, that will like affect us in other places in our life. Um, so I feel like therapy is a good way to start. Um, and if you're dealing with more severe types of mental illness that require medication, 
um, having therapy can lead to like decreased doses mm-hmm. of medication. Yeah. That's an awesome thing to know. Because I know some people do need medication and we don't want to, you know, keep them from something that may help them deal with their stress. But it's great to know that therapy will kind of can also be, you know, a little bit of a supplement Mm -hmm. to your medication. So that's a good thing to know. So how are we tackling this issue? We just talked about therapy, I know. But tell us a little bit more about therapy um, and how can it be easier for us? Because I know a lot of black women will say, you know, I don't, therapists don't know me, don't know my life, or I don't want to tell anybody my business. So how can we heal? What can we do to get that type of help? Um, In terms of getting professional help, um, I would say first, try talking to your primary care doctor about it. Um, If that doesn't go well, um, there's a whole directory that a psychologist created. It's called Therapy for Black Girls, um, where you can find a therapist in your area um, who's black or a black woman that you can match with. Um, it has like, it's basically like a LinkedIn type of thing. So you can learn a lot about them um, in terms of matching with them and also like look at costs and things like that. Okay. And then we got to talk about self care. Definitely. I got to admit, I got a little beef with self care. <laughs> and let's talk about it. Let's be open and talk about it. I, my problem with self care is with all that we go through. I think the self-care is like yet another thing that's isolating, in my opinion. It's like you're going through all this and like take care of it yourself. You know, go to the spa, get a massage. I think that's important. However, sometimes I got beef with self-care. So you tell me about self-care, you know, how it, because I do believe it helps. So just give us some instances and yeah, let's break this down a little bit. Um, well, I feel like there's different types of self-care. What you said um, was a lot of physical types of self-care. There's also like um, emotional, um, psychological types of self-care. Um, so you can journal. Journaling is a type of self-care. Breath work, like learning different breathing techniques. Um, it's also another type of self-care. Meditation. Um, You can start with guided meditation and then work your way up to doing it on your own. Yoga or any type of exercise is also a great type of self-care. And affirmations, um, which people might think it's surface level, but there's this thing called neuro-linguistic programming, which is like the word-brain connection. And those words can actually shift the chemistry in your brain um, and let you have like more positive thoughts and feelings. I love that we have science that backs up what we know ancestrally yes, that gets works. passed down. I love that because some people need the science. So mm-hmm. you said neuro-linguistic programming. programming, yeah, which, you know, we just believe is like, you know, how black folks will say back and they speak over her life. Mm-hmm. Let me speak over your life or, or encourage yourself, that kind of thing. So it's good to see. I love science. Okay. So I'm always down with <laughs> science, but I'm always down with what we have innately and ancestrally. So. When they get to intersex, it's like my happy place. Um, and then we were talking about self-care, and I mentioned about the isolation. Mm-hmm. So I know one thing that I would always like to add is that, like, it, and it, no matter what we're talking about, be it disease, be it health, you know, a, an actual health condition, be it, like, for new moms, I'm always like, find your support system. Mm-hmm. Like, Yes, you need to do all this inner work, but even when you're dealing with mental and emotional issues, 
find a support system. If you don't have one, make one. There's support groups out here, people who are trained to foster safe environments. Because when we were talking about black women earlier and how, you know, we have all this stress, a lot of times it causes us to be distrustful. Yes. So we don't want to sit around people and talk and we don't trust a support group. But you got, and because I facilitate support groups, I'm a little biased, but you do have people there who are trained to make safe spaces safe. Mm-hmm. And to make people be genuine with each other. So I would hope that, you know, some women would, as a form of self-care, be involved in support groups. If definitely. you don't have a support system, mm-hmm. I think that could be useful. And then definitely to add on to that part about, like, less isolating terms, parts of self-care is, like, social media. I know we talk about social media as, like, a contributing factor to um, mental health or mental illness, but it also can be, like, part of the solution. There's a lot of, like, pages and accounts um, that psychologists make, but also just, like, healers make um, that can really, like, help you on your journey and make you know that you're not alone, that there's other people also going through this and there's other people also on that healing journey with you. I love that suggestion. So thank you for that, because um, I know that there are groups that we attach ourselves to to get out of that isolation. And a lot of times they're great. Like, I'm in the Spelman Moms group. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Spelman Moms. <laughs> and we do. It's a safe space. We rant. We talk crazy. We do all of that. But it's also good to know that there are actual spaces, again, that has that sort of curation mm-hmm. and, like, the moderation and facilitation of someone who is a professional. Yeah. But you don't have to sit with them one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So that's really a great example. And you were sharing with me a little earlier a quote that I really like from Audre Lorde. So could you share with our good listeners? Um, so the quote is, caring for myself is not self-indulgent. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Y'all hear yes. those snaps, people? <laughs> Okay, political warfare, because a lot of us are, you know, involved in social justice. My repro justice girls are out here. Women, people are just fighting all the time, just working. I mean, all of us, you know, labor, anything. And it's not self-indulgence. We go to war every day for other people. We got to go to war for ourselves. So I love that. And then um, could you share with us some of those accounts or things that you thought were, um, you know, just helpful to talk about self-care and uh, mental and emotional health that could be helpful to some folks. And I know it's kind of hard for people, so maybe we can link them somehow. But if you just name like a couple of your favorites for Mm -hmm. the folks, that'd be good. Um, A couple of my favorites from Instagram are at the Nat Ministry. Um, It's actually a black women run um, account and they focus on like naps as um, acts of like political warfare that we need to rest in order um, to be able to fight. Yes. I was thinking, like, nappy hair, which I'm also down for. (laughs) Like, actual naps. Nap, um, yes. And the importance of that. So I love their account. Um, I also love the the period, holistic period psychologist. Um, And she talks a lot about um, the neuro-linguistic programming and the connections between, like, our brains and our mental health and, like, the rest of our body. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really love her account. Um, If you're in Twitter. Ooh, Twitter. Um, I would say at Black Girl Enom. Um, so they post a lot of just like good affirmations um, about about for yourself. Um, they also post a lot of good tips on healing um, and what that process is like. So just in case y'all don't know, so Black Girl Enom. So it's an I. 
I-N-O-M, black girl, I-N-O-M. And the other one was um, the NAP, N-A-P ministry. So all that spelled as it's spelled. So that's pretty awesome. And we'll link some more of these. So just to talk slightly more about, um, you know, our mental health and different things. I noticed that there's this whole movement going on now um, that is, and this is sort of getting off of mental health, but it's sort of emotional wellness, mm-hmm. but it's like the body positive movement. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of different accounts. And I actually started following some myself as like someone who just struggled for at least now over 10 years, just like with weight and self-esteem and all those kind of things. And that really does affect your mental as well, because Definitely. I know um, just having a loss of confidence sometimes you can't do your best in front of people you're wondering what they're looking at or how you know what's right and and so many things like that but do you think and I don't want to you know like no blaming the victim or anything but let's just talk about it does mental health or anything like a can actual affect like weight or anything like that or maybe it's like what's happening becomes a coping mechanism I'm just talking and don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> but I'm thinking you may know a little bit about that yeah, definitely, like, um, your mental illness or going through difficult times can lead to weight gains due to, like, hormones being released in your body um, and the continuation. So we have this thing called, like, the fight-or-flight response, um, and that's known as in, like, neuroscience or psychology as, like, the sympathetic um, response in, nervous, in your sympathetic nervous system. Um, so that's your body, like, releasing adrenaline um, to, like, increase your heart rate, blood pressure, rapid breathing, and, like, also release restored energy because your body thinks it's in danger. Mm. So, like, you have to, like, run or do things like that. Um, But if your stress is chronic over time, then that um, increased release in adrenaline can also lead to increased release of cortisol, which helps store, like, fat and energy because your body thinks you're going to need it because you're Mm. in danger. Um, so that can lead to like a buildup of fat tissue and weight gain. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like, where, how do we combat all of these things? It's a lot. It <laughs> is a lot. But it's good, like you said, that we have sort of these things that promote positivity and putting things back in there. Like, I love, I call her, you know, the body. It, she wouldn't even be happy with being a body positive queen. She is a queen, period, though. But Lizzo. She's oh, I love her. Every, yeah. And she deserves love. So, what's up, Lizzo? She's out here, you know, she's showing her body, celebrating her body, and sexy as hell. So it's like it reminds us that, like, you don't have to, though we want to be conscious of why we may be gaining weight. For some people, that's just their bodies. Yes. For some people, it's what they are, what they like, and they're fine with it, and we should all be fine with it. Mm-hmm. So I just love to see people like her online just celebrating who yeah. they are. Always and not with the positive it. energy. Yeah, it's like, it's not a problem. Not It's not a problem. It's not an issue. It's who I am, and it's awesome. So yeah, I love to see. Do you, Are there any others online that you see around body positivity or anything such as that? Um, one person that I follow is Erica Hart. Um, and she, well, she also talks about body positivity. Um, she's a woman who went through breast cancer. Um, so she like lost both of her breasts. Um, and she's very open about that and sharing that and sharing her body. Um, and then she's also an activist as well and talks a lot about, um, 
um, sex education, and so she like encompasses a lot of different things. But I'm I love so her glad as well. you brought that up, and it's like a constant reminder of all of our privilege. Yes, because as soon as I think about body positivity, I'm thinking about weight, but that's a whole other side of body positivity to not have your breasts which is always so much connected to femininity Mm -hmm. and what that type of body positive work must be like. So, yeah, it's good to be able to bounce off of other people who can remind us of those type of things. Definitely. So this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, And if we ever need to have more conversations, which we do because we only scratch the surface, we'll love to have you back. I would love to be back. And speak a little (laughs) bit more about this. So thank you. And everyone, remember that we will be expanding on a lot of these topics that we cover in the podcast at our Reproductive Justice Conference that will be in August. It'll be August 26th, which is a Monday. Check our website, bwwla.org, just to stay up on when tickets are available, when you can get the early bird special, because we do break down every podcast that you've listened to. We break down more in depth with special tracks and workshops and awesome speakers who uh, help us really do the work around these subjects. So thank you. Thank you. And that's Black Women for Wellness Reproductive Justice Podcast. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast brought to you by Black Women for Wellness. Remember, you can find us online at www.bwwla.org, like our Black Women for Wellness Facebook page, and follow us on Twitter at BW4WLA and on Instagram at BWWLA.